Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Today's episode of the Hogan Johns podcast is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Fight for Air Climb, presented by United Healthcare. We're just about two and a half weeks away from this thing. We're doing it, and we want you to join us on our team. You've heard us talking about it. It's time to sign up. It's all happening Sunday, March 8th at the Presidential Towers in Chicago. The teams from WGN Radio and WGN-TV are inviting you to be a part of the biggest stair climb in Chicago. Every year, the team from WGN-TV joins forces with the team from WGN Radio, and the Hogan Johns podcast is in on this thing this year. Johns and I will both be doing the climb, and you can sign up to do it with us Here's what you need to do. You go to the WGN Radio events page at WGNRadio.com slash events. There, you'll see the Fight for Air Climb listed. You click on it. You find the button to register. You'll automatically be added to our team. Then you just got to start training. Why do we do this? Because the fight for clean air and healthy lungs belongs to all of us. You and your team can climb one, two, three, or all four towers If you do all four, that's 2,340 steps. That's not even all the steps you need in one day. So you might as well get up early, come do this with us, get a great workout in, do it for a good cause. The American Lung Association's Fight for Air Climb at Presidential Towers. Let's go. Two men. The Chargers are not walking away from an injured player. They're walking away from their start. One storied NFL franchise. In the 30s, early 30s, there are three teams that dominated the league. New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, and the Bears. Nobody could come close to us. This, this is their podcast. This is the home of football. This is where it started. It's the Hogan Johns Podcast. Podcast. From WGN Radio, it's Adam Hogue. You guys ready? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Let's get this thing going. What's up? Welcome in. How about that? A new open. I like it. It's dramatic. It's good. Our guy Ernie Scatton coming through on that one. Love you, Ernie. Ernie's the best. And uh, if you get a second, I know he's not always on Twitter. Ernie's had some stuff going on in his personal life. We haven't really brought it up, and we're not going to go into the details. Uh, Just some family stuff. I should probably word it that way. And uh, we're thinking about you, Ernie. We know you're still listening, and uh, we love your opens. As always, we love all the audio you you contribute to this podcast. And if our listeners uh, hit him up on Shy Voiceman on Twitter, at Shy Voiceman. He's not always on Twitter, but I'll make sure... He gets those tweets, um, and uh, we're thinking about Journey. We love you, and that new awesome open, yeah, it's great. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely thinking about Ernie. Awesome opens all the time, and this podcast works because of guys like Ernie. Let's just make that clear. Oh yeah, he's a valuable part of this thing, and has been for a long time. As we dive into year six of this podcast, another. NFL Combine coming up, Adam Johns. You ready to go down to Indy, get some uh, shrimp cocktail? 
Can, can I say something about St. Elmo's? Here we and go. We've been going to... <laughs> here's my St. Elmo's rant. I think we're on the same page on this one. Yes, it's overrated. Yep. Overrated. It, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It is good. But for a guy who has been... This will be my, what, seventh year in a row eating at St. Elmo's? I already have the reservations. I'm going to go eat St. Elmo's. I'm going to have a steak. I'm going to have a shrimp cocktail. I'm just saying, Indianapolis has more food options that are as good or if not better than Elmo's. They do. And I love the shrimp cocktail. Here's a pro tip if you ever go to Indy for um, a Final Four or Big Ten tournaments there next month. The, the Big Ten tournament is an outstanding event down there in Indy because every team has their own like bar set up and there's all these like team headquarters and everybody's right downtown. Indy is a great town for these sporting events. That's why the Combine's there every year. But... If you're, you know, you're always going to hear about Elmo's and it is a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a thing to experience. Here's my pro tip on Elmo's though. Either go to the bar and just get a couple drinks and a shrimp cocktail because what John's just said is correct. You could get a better steak elsewhere in Indy and the locals will even tell you that. Um, but the shrimp cocktail is cool. It's worth doing. Or... Next door is Harry and Izzy's, which is affiliated with Elmo's. I think it's the same ownership, and they have a similar menu. It's a little bit cheaper on the wallet, uh, and they have a really good steak sandwich that I don't think you can get at Elmo's, and it's phenomenal. You could still get the shrimp cocktail there, too, and it's a little bit of a more livelier app. I prefer Harry and Izzy's. This is my personal preference. It's a little bit different. Anyway. There's this little indie pro tip for you as we get ready for the combine. I, I want to say my favorite thing about Elmo's is actually the upstairs bar. Yes. Very intimate. I agree. It's, it's, it, intimate but lively. You know, the food's good. The service is fantastic. Check it out. If you just want to drink, go to the upstairs bar at Elmo's. You can't go wrong there. You can get food there as well. Get the shrimp cocktail there as well. You know, they sell that shrimp cocktail sauce at Coxco. Oh, yeah. You know that, right? I usually yeah. have some of it in my fridge. Okay, okay, so it's good. It's always good to clean out the sinuses when you get to Indy. It's always cold. <laughs> We've been down there during ice storms and all sorts of incl- inclement weather. Uh, but, yeah, here we go, man. It's it's going to be different. Not really looking forward to this early morning schedule that they kind of set up for us uh, media-wise. But with all things, all things change, my friend. Well, here's the deal, and this does affect the fans. Uh, if you're a, a diehard that actually likes to tune in for the Combine, I actually watch a lot of the coverage, not really because I care about who's running what 40 time or anything like that, but you, the, the NFL Network does such a good job of presenting these prospects to you. It's a great opportunity to learn about these guys. Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis, Rich Eisen, they do such a good job of... Uh, prepping to, to to basically present these these prospects to anybody who's watching, so you can learn a ton about guys who most likely will a, a few of them are going to become Chicago Bears in a couple months. So um, it, it's not necessarily a must watch, but it is enjoyable, and they're moving it to prime time this year. So a lot of the coverage has been during the day in the past. They're moving it to prime time, which is significant for a couple reasons. One, it's just another uh, way the NFL is monetizing and and uh, adapting its league to television, which they've been so successful doing, and this will be no different. 
Um, I, be- I believe I saw the producer of the NFL Network's Combines c- coverage is very uh, honestly saying, hey, look, Thursday night has become a football night in America. That's, that's why they've moved the games to Thursday night, and the draft starts on a Thursday night, and now the NFL Combine's TV coverage is going to begin on Thursday night. And so they're pulling big ratings and doing that. This will probably be no, no different. But, Johns, as you're alluding to, it is also impacting not only our schedule as reporters, but more importantly, the teams and the way they operate down there. Yeah, I think this is probably more significant than, I don't want to call fans outsiders, but there was such a routine of India. Like the, the nightlife is part of the work cycle. It really is. The socializing, the network building, the information gathering, the gossiping. That is part of the process of Indy. But now you got to send guys and coaches and scouts to, to these night workouts. The, the dinner lineup changes for, for reporters just in terms of, of finding people. Uh, like you would come to these hotel bars like the JW or the upstairs at Elmo's or go to Prime. And the places would be packed, absolutely packed, with not only agents, but media, NFL types uh, from, from various different levels, from scouts to GMs to coaches to assistant coaches. They're all there, but the nightlife is going to be different now. That part of the socialization of Indianapolis, I think, is going to be different. Now, like, there's going to be late nights. There always are, you know, after these things are over. At Lucas Oil Stadium, you could come out and hang out and all that stuff. But you know what? For the media, some of this availability is at 8 in the morning. That's awfully early. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after, let's be honest. After you have a few cocktails, when you're meeting and greeting with scouts at night, and then you got to get up at 7 in the morning, it's, it changes the process a bit. Yeah, I'm sure all our listeners are, are really feeling for you right now, John Z. Be moaning my yeah. hangover. I know. Yeah. Um. No, but it's it, it is a real thing uh, because the player. So now the players are working out at night. So the interviews, both with the media, which it sounds like is starting really early in the morning, then the you know the afternoon is going to be dedicated to the interviews they do with teams. So all that uh, usually that was happening in the evening. So they're basically flipping that, and they're starting the media stuff earlier in the day. Some of it's overlapping with a lot of the. Um, the team access that we get with the general managers and head coaches. Look, I'm sure it's going to be fine. I actually like that everything's a little bit more compressed. Um, to me, the combine didn't need to be like a full week dragged out deal. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit more work, a little less sleep, Johnsy. But you know what? We're, <laughs> we're going to get a lot more productivity into about four days instead of you know having to spend a whole no. long week in there, too. That's true. That's true. My first combine, I spent, I think, seven days down there. It, it, that was an elongated process yeah. when you're going out. I, I just want to clarify what I was saying about the nighttime process. Some of my best stories, some of my breaking stories, some of my tips, you know, that, that stuff comes about at night through the relationships that, that you build and the people you hang out with. Yep. Um, so I'm interested to see how everything works out. I, I really am. Oh man, we just both need a cheeseburger. Yeah. And then, oh man, I will be getting a cheeseburger at some point in Indianapolis, of course. Yeah. You can't get that at PF Chang's though, buddy. I love PF Chang's. I don't get PF Chang's at home. I, like PF Chang's is like the perfect on the road excuse meal. Like if you're gonna get Chinese food in Chicago, you're gonna go to like a legit 
Chinese restaurant, right? We have so many good options here. You don't really go to the commercialized PFJs, do you? No. No, I don't. But in Indianapolis, and you got time to kill, you need a place to go, not familiar with every nook and cranny of the city. P.F. Chang's can work. I don't know why you guys bust my chops on that so much. Well, because by now you should be familiar with every nook and cranny of Indianapolis. I am. I am. I, you know, certain but, cities I, I know too too well. That and like Mobile, Alabama. I know Mobile yeah. way too too well for Northern. <laughs> yeah, what's the name of it? Is it Veets? Veets? Veets. Yeah, Winchell's, you know. And, yeah. and, you know, you go to the Battle House Bar. Yeah, I I actually I had, you know, I'm an old fashioned guy. I, as in the drink, not like how I operate. Um, I, the best old fashioned I've ever had in my life was in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. What place? It's a true story. Not Veets. No, it was yeah, definitely not Veets. And it wasn't the, the hotel that's down the street. It was like a newer place that had just opened around the corner. I'm forgetting. It was the last time I went there. And uh, anyway, I, yeah, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of the place, but I could find it. Mobile's not a very big downtown area. I could actually walk to it. Like, I could picture where it is, but I have no idea what it's called or what street it's on. Um, anyway, uh, I am looking forward to the combine. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, however this plays out. You know, it's a, sometimes having it a little bit different is fine um, because you need you need to spice things up a little. What I don't enjoy is how they moved. Again, now this is complaining. This is legit complaining. But where they moved the media room the last couple of years is so far away from where you actually do interviews. It's like a 10-minute walk. Yeah, see, I don't mind that. Well, you got to get your steps in here. We're talking about climbing stairs, you know, getting your steps in an idiot, you know. Well, I like I like that they moved everything out of the stadium and into the convention center. That actually made it better. But yeah, but so, then but after the, the days where we're we're in that like club area and oh, like, you could move there to you know to barter for seats with people I don't even know where they're from. No, no respect, yeah. no disrespect to you know half these outlets. But the combine they opened the doors to a lot of people from a lot of different. Outlets, you know, they yeah. got the whole draft media coming in. It was tough to find seat for years. It's amazing what they've done with this event, uh, and they've turned it into a huge fan festival now. Um, it still amazes me that fans want to show up to watch the bench press, but hey, you know what? The football NFL is king, and and fans love it. So um, anyway. We will be there. We'll have great coverage for you. We'll have uh, a bunch of podcasts, and uh, you know, hopefully get some interviews into uh last year we talked to matt bowen in a great conversation i think we're eyeing that one up again uh and tuesday so it's exactly a week from today tuesday is when matt Nagy, ryan pace will be speaking to the media so we'll have immediate reaction to all of that in next tuesday's episode as well here on the hogan johns podcast uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on twitter at adam hogue h-o-g-e at adam johns j-a-h-n-s Johnsy's at The Athletic, The Athletic app. That's where you can read him. He's got a story up right now on uh, 15 free agents that the Bears should eye while they're in Indianapolis because it's not just all about the draft prospects. This is when teams start to kind of have some conversations together and the free agency picture starts to, to work itself together as well. Uh, and then my stuff is at WGNRadio.com. We appreciate you listening. Please rate and review the podcast. Subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast. Word of mouth is key. And uh, we appreciate our listeners bringing in new listeners all the time. Um, all right. Week away from this thing. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, 
speaking to the media for the first time since the season ended, since their season-ending press conference. Johnsy, we threw this out on Twitter to get some responses from our listeners, but essentially asking the question, what do you want to hear? What are you hoping to hear from your GM and head coach? So do you want to take some questions first? or Well, here's one for you. Okay, okay. Here's one for you. So let's we'll get to the quarterbacks. We'll... Plenty of time to discuss Mitch Trubisky. So this one's from, how about this name? Where's my burrito on Twitter? Um, I'm hoping they talk about what the offensive vision is with the new hires on that side of the ball. Specifically, what will Bill Lazor's role be? Is Juan Castillo in charge of the run game? Your thoughts, Mr. Hogue? Yeah, I mean, they have not made any of these coaches available to us. Uh, We have not heard Pace or Nagy discuss uh, these new hires, they have changed the offensive structure of the coaching staff by adding a passing game coordinator and promoting Dave Ragone. Um, so this is a, a, a at least slightly different operation. Obviously, Matt Nagy's still in charge of all of it. Um, but honestly, while I, I expect Nagy to be continue calling the plays, that's even a fair question at this point, considering some of the changes they made. So this will be the first time we hear what they have to say about all this. And I am interested to hear what they say. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, you, you mentioned slight. I would almost say it's almost significant just in terms of what the coaching staff is now. John Filippo was not mentioned in Where's My Burritos tweet. But he's got play-calling history. Bill Lazor's got play-calling history. Juan Castillo, obviously that's an Andy Reid connection like higher. They were together in Philadelphia. That is going to be a schematic difference, message difference than, than Harry Heastan. I would imagine that the running game is going to fall on Laser and Castillo. It, it was Mark Helfrich and Harry Heastan's job before. So I imagine they're going to assume similar roles. And again, that with the addition of the passing game coordinator and, and Dave Ragone, maybe some of the onus is off Matt Nagy and he can actually – maybe double dip a little bit into to both meeting rooms. But, yeah, I am kind of fascinated to to hear what Nagy has to say about uh, the, the hires and how it's going to work, at least for, you know, for him in, in game planning and play calling and whatnot. Um, someone else here at Brace on Twitter, uh, Danny Trevathan, will he be returning? If not, should we expect more from Nick the Quick next year? Um, well, well, yeah. Go ahead. On my top 15 list, you can check this out on The Athletic. He's my number nine free agent. And, you know, you could probably even move him up a bit. But the Who, Kwiatkowski or Trevathan? Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski. Okay. Yes, Nick Kwiatkowski. Quit. There's a lot of buzz about this guy. Everybody loves a young up-and-coming player who is deserving of a new contract. Not like an enormous contract, but a, but a good enough one. Maybe similar to like an Adrian Amos. Nick Kukowski seems to fit that bill. He's going to get paid by somebody. The the splash plays are there. The the play calling of the defense is there. Was he a full-time starter for the Bears? No. So that kind of complicates matters, at least from the Bears' end. But to, to me, Trevath may be the cheaper option in terms of resetting either one of these guys. Yeah. Um uh, that's that's hard to gauge right now. I still would. I, I guess he is over thirty, uh, Danny Trevathan, but dislocated elbow. 
Yeah, I still think when you turn on the tape and you really, both of these players were good, but Trevathan plays at a different speed. And at the end of the day, speed is still the name of the game for what these uh, general managers and coaches are really, really craving. Like when you put two guys next to each other, if one's clearly faster than the other, that that matters a lot. But I, I'm not. That's not to disparage Nick Wachowski at all. I I agree, and I saw that. Uh, you know, Albert Breer had him listed on a list of free agents that are going to surprise people uh, when when, peop- when people see wh- how, what they get paid. You know, sometimes in our markets, we Nick Kwiatkowski in Chicago is well known. Nick Kwiatkowski in the NFC North overall is probably like yeah, kind of known. Nick Kwiatkowski outside the NFC North, and I'm not talking about teams. I'm talking about fan bases now at this point, like casual football observers most people probably never heard of the guy so this happens every year on free agency even sometimes to us as reporters some some guy will get signed to a big money deal and you're like who like i've never even heard of that guy and nick kwiatkowski very likely will be one of those guys this year where uh somewhere in the united states of america there's going to be a bunch of people who think they're and probably are huge football fans and they're going to be like i've never heard of that guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just say this. The numbers that Nick Wachowski put up in eight games last year was arguably more impressive than what Roquan Smith did the, the entire year. Now, Roquan Smith is a first-round pick. He's got the speed. He's got all that stuff. I still think he's kind of figuring things out at the NFL level. But it, it, look at Kukowski. It took him a few years to get to this point. He seems better in coverage. I think teams see that. I think teams see the splash plays. I, I think they see him running over a running back and then getting to the quarterback. Those plays stick with scouts. Those plays stick with the, with teammates. They stick with fans. And I think it's going to result in some considerable money for Nick Wachowski. And uh, one guy... The, the question here is if the Bears want to pay it. Yeah. No, I think it's... He might get priced out, just sort of how Adrian Amos did last year. And yeah. and honestly, that's a position that you can go out and find somebody cheaper for either a year stopgap or, or I mean, it's not. It's I I think we're going to end up having a conversation about Nick Kwiatkowski very similar to Adrian Amos last year. You you can move yeah. on without him and, and be okay. One one guy who might be interested in Nick Kwiatkowski. Do your research. All right, let's continue this love fest. Vic Fangio might be uh, wanting to continue that love fest. Yeah, that's a team. Yeah, he did like some quit. He did. Uh, probably not. Okay, I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, and may I don't know. Maybe Danny Trevathan ends up. I I would. Uh, it's good. That that is a fascinating thing. There, I have to say, um, whether it's positions like that. I don't think everybody really understands how unpredictable of a month this is about to be. Yeah. When you have Peter King starting his Football Morning in America column, quoting a head coach who is essentially saying, we don't have any idea what's going to happen with these quarterbacks. So you have the most quarterbacks of high caliber that we've ever seen that could all change teams in a span of a few days here coming up next month. And on top of that, a CBA deal that could potentially be done and alter the salary cap and the way that these contracts even get structured. 
And I think there's motivation on both sides to get this worked out because there's a lot of, I'm sure teams would like to know how they can structure these things going forward, considering what some of these guys are going to get paid. And we're talking about the quarterback position. Think about that trickle-down effect to like a Nick Kwiatkowski right now and how somewhat absurd that is. <laughs> you know, how the money's going to get budgeted and how you're allocating certain funds here to this position, to that position, and so much of it is riding on these quarterbacks. It's nobody right now. And I truly believe that. Teams have probably never been this in the dark at this point going to the NFL Combine as they are right now about what's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, you're talking about three Hall of Fame quarterbacks who need new contracts. And two of them, I think, are really holding off father time quite well. I have questions about Phillip Rivers. But what's the buzz? Two years, $60 million for Tom Brady? If not more? I mean, you're going to have to convince him to leave New England? A lot of dominoes could, could fall. Then what does that mean for Derek Carr? I keep driving home that point. Like The Bears have to be prepared if a Derek Carr becomes available. If someone else of that caliber of a quarterback. I'm not talking about an elite guy. There's only like a handful of elite guys in the NFL. But if a, a legitimate starting quarterback becomes available, are you ready? Are you researched enough to make a move on him? And those are all discussions that have to go into the wee hours at Hallis Hall these days. Have to. Yeah, I'm sure the amount of scenarios, we talk about draft scenarios that they like kind of simulate. They must be doing the same with free agency this year. Because there's so many different scenarios that could play out. You know, Bill Barnwell had a, a piece on ESPN. Did you see this? That he, he it was a very graphical piece that, um, if that makes sense, kind of spelled out three scenarios, starting like with where Tom Brady goes and the trickle down effect. And one of them was, and I'm forgetting which team it was, acquiring Nick Foles in a trade. And to eat, to, instead of having the Jags restructure the contract to eat the money, for that team to eat the money that was trading for them, also acquiring the Jaguars, one of the Jaguars' first round picks. Wow! And I went, I, I like, I'm reading this, and I stood up in my chair, and I'm like, wait, you could get Nick Foles and acquire a first round pick. I know the Bears are all like crazy up against the cap, and they'd have to move a whole thing, a bunch of things around to fit what I, I, I believe is $16 million in 2020 into the cap picture right now. But if you could somehow get Nick Foles, who has ties here to Bill Lazor and John D. Filippo and Matt Nagy, and has history of a, being a Super Bowl winning backup quarterback. And also get a first-round pick somehow into it, which the Bears don't have and haven't had now for two years. That's worth figuring out with the cap situation to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, are, absurd. are you kidding me? But, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm interested to see what the, how what the CBA does to change the cap. I mean, if, if you're talking about a significant increase, I don't know what that is, 10, 15 million. I mean, there's all sorts of options that open up that way. And I feel like a lot of... We had one um, someone on on the athletic comment on how you know why do you guys always say the cap is fluid? I don't get it. Like they're if if you look at you know over the cap they got five and a half. If you go to spot rec they got thirteen million because they factored in Kyle Long's um, 
retirement, the cap changes. It always goes up. Restructurings are easy. All this guaranteed money, that's the numbers you have to be concerned about. Uh, you have prorated signing bonuses. You can change money to signing bonuses. There's so many avenues for teams to create cap space. So many. Don't freak out by what certain sites say because they know it too. It changes. It's fluid. It's going to change. What the Bears have right now, today, on February the 18th, is not going to be the same a month from now, on March 18th, when the new league year begins. You're right. Uh, everything you just said is true. However, most of the times when you're creating that cap space, converting things into signing bonuses, all you're doing is kind of kicking the problem down the road a little bit. Yeah, and, but and, what if the cap goes up? And well, some right. of it's not all kicking the can down the road. You know, like getting rid of Taylor Gabriel to open up $4.5 million, that's sure. getting rid of the can altogether. Sure, and I'm, I, I'm even coming around to the idea that, and you've talked about it probably more than me, is, is Leonard Floyd and that $13 million. Yeah, finding a way to lower that. I have no problem giving him another year. No problem. I mean, you're talking two years. It's not you can't. It's not necessarily apples to apples, but you know Leonard Floyd at 13 million versus somehow sneaking in Nick Foles' contract and somehow acquiring a big draft pick like that. Like, and I realize it's just one guy bringing up a scenario. But when I read that, you know, that's Bill Barnwell, somebody who knows what's going on. And so when you start comparing situations like that, okay, 13 million. For Leonard Floyd, all right. Now, now I'm uh, now I'm down with that. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of leverage in situations, or how the Bears use their leverage in situations. It'll be interesting how that plays out in negotiations or any trade discussions. Uh, yeah. They really want to enter, you know, specifically with the Jaguars after they signed Nick Foles. Was it four years, eighty-eight million, a bunch of married, made guaranteed money over the first yeah. two years. A lot of things to get through. All right, a lot of uh, things to get through. Let's uh, get to a couple more Twitter responses here. Uh, and this one, I'm going to group a couple here together. But uh, Chris in Vegas says, I'm hoping to hear from them that they will leave no stone unturned, including at the quarterback position, and that they were premature to say Mitch would have the starting job, but that he will compete for it as it should be. And I'm going to group that in. Let's see if I can find this other... Uh, yeah, Ryan Voss says, I want to hear them own up to their own mistakes and move forward. You know, this is just a sentiment that I don't know about you, but I've kind of felt since their their end of season press conference. Um, I, you know, I think our take reacting to that press conference was that what what else were they really gonna say, right? Um, Especially when it came to Mitch and all that, and I and I still believe that. But right or wrong, there is still clearly something from that press conference that has hit fans the wrong way. At least certain fans clearly feel like they didn't really own up to their mistakes enough, and would like to hear more that Mitch's job is not as safe as it sounded. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just clearly, from what we hear from fans, that's the feeling I get from at least a portion of the fan base. I don't know about you, John. So I think that when we get, we're getting responses like that right now, I think some of those fans will just like to hear uh, a little bit different tone when these guys talk next week. Yeah, I think some fans are still struggling over what Ryan Pace said at the the year-end or season's-end news conference. And 
I, I would always guide against overreacting to what he said, uh, in, especially in situations like that, and to, to temper your expectations. But I think the the emotion is still real, and I, I could side with that. I can understand that. The expectations were so grand for this team, so grand for Mitch Trubisky, and things just fell through and continued to fall through. It was that type of season. I, is, is closure the right word? I, I think fans want closure. I, I think they yeah. want to hear the team express some of the same views that they have about their team. Like so it's, it's acknowledge some of the same concerns they have about Mitch Trubisky. And I, I'll tell you this. Those concerns do exist at Hallis Hall. Verbalizing them is something different because you're, you're talking about it's, it's a game and ship. Teams are always thinking with that in mind, especially the Bears. I don't know if they're going to get it. I, I think fans may be disappointed again. I, I really, really do. I don't know what type of closure the Bears are going to offer you. I, I really don't. I, I, you know, they may give you some insight into Mitch Trubisky's shoulder surgery, but but that's about it. Well, I don't know what type of closure or some type of acknowledgement of fault they're going to give you with the combine. Well, and that's something I wanted to bring up because, I, look, I realize that no one in the NFL ever wants to talk about injuries, and that includes the players because the players don't really want their injuries advertised to the 31 other teams either um, because that can that ends up on a piece of paper that gets worked against you in a contract later on in your life. But I do think the Bears could potentially do themselves some favors here. Uh, Sometimes fans don't want to hear about injuries as excuses either. But if they went into at least a little bit more detail about what Mitch Trubisky is dealing with here, and perhaps even how that may have affected his season, because they have really not used that as an excuse, perhaps to their credit, but they're position that they want to stick with Mitch and believe he'll be better in 2020 could be justified a little bit more if they were to explain how the shoulder may have not only affected perhaps his throwing mechanics, decision making, whether we're talking about RPOs or him wanting to scramble. And same thing with Khalil Mack, which has been such a secretive thing. He's clearly dealing with something. And how did that affect his season? I think they just want some forthright answers. I don't think fans feel like they got them. Can add the Adam Shaheen analysis as as well from Ryan Pace. And yeah, I understand the. I, I really do. I understand the angst about it. The Bears had great expectations for themselves. I think fans were extremely excited about what 2019 was supposed to be, and they flatlined in a lot of games. It was problematic. Your quarterback took a lot of serious steps back. Well, other quarterbacks in his draft class, again, that's part of the Yanks, took major steps forward, including winning a, a Super Bowl. So a lot of emotions to process, I think, for the Bears. And I don't think they're going to reveal who their competition is. Uh, so, so here's a couple other questions if we're going to stay with the quarterback. Um conversation here. This is from Jerome A. Turks. Will there be a capable backup QB in place if Mitch has another shaky start to the season? And where's the other one? I want to hear who would be your perfect vet QB to bring in and then who would be Adam Hogues. This is from our friend Alec on Twitter as well. So that quarterback room 
is changing. We've said it repeatedly. It's going to be different. How much so remains to be seen. They need to go a deep dive into every single quarterback who, who's available. That, that's from Philip Rivers on down to Marcus Mariota, maybe even a little research into Jameis Winston. You need to be prepared for every scenario. Now, some of those, like a Winston scenario, you, you could rule out a bit because of certain things you don't like about him. But whatever. You need to explore every possible solution to the most important position in sports. And that room is going to change it, and we know it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I still, I still kind of go back and forth on who that perfect guy is. Um, honestly, in a lot of ways, I think that you've heard me here talk about Nick Foles a lot. I think there's a lot of reasons why that makes sense, but the contract is really, uh, not ideal. So I don't know how realistic that really is. Um, For me, the, the perfect guy has always been Alex Smith. Always has right. been Alex Smith. The problem is, he's got a serious leg injury to get over. Yeah. And, Still and in it, the middle of a rehab process. Yeah, man, it's not good. Also, uh, you know, it's there, there's a couple things over there in Washington right now that that indicate they still really, really like him. Um, I know he's gotten really close with Dan Snyder. Like, he was sitting in his box a lot during the season. And, you know, there's a thought that, Al, you know, just like here in Chicago, that Alex Smith can continue to help Dwayne Haskins. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily sure, even if he is healthy, how realistic it is that he's available to yeah. to make a move. So it's like every option out there has a big butt. Oh, Marcus Mariota, you know, maybe if he switches teams, he could have like what Ryan Tannehill happened and Ryan Pace liked him coming out, which he did. But, oh, he has the same agent as Trubisky, which is a legitimate hindrance. You know, every single one of these things has a big butt attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, like like Winston would be like Jameis Winston is going to get paid. He's a first round pick, and you know when I did this story about trade scenarios that the Bears have to consider, I found it interesting that Alex Smith, that Sam Bradford, and Carson Palmer all first overall picks, just like Jameis Winston, got traded twice in their careers over this past over the past mm-hmm. 10 years. So there's going to be teams that want to give second chances, third chances to these guys, and Jameis Winston fits that boat. Um, I just don't know how much money you want to spend on the guy that led the league in interceptions. Uh, what did he have, 30? First 30 and 30 guy ever? Yeah, like, I, ha- I, he, I hate the idea of Jameis Winston. I really yeah, hate everything yeah. about it. I, I know he can pe- pile up yards, and he gives the ball away more than anybody, which is the biggest thing that hurts you on offense. Yeah, It yeah. absolutely kills you. So I'd rather have, honestly, I'd rather have less yards and way less turnovers. Yeah, you know, and that's a conversation that goes has to go all the way to Virginia McCaskey and George McCaskey as oh, well, yeah. by the way, because of his history. Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't see Jameis Winston as a viable. I mean, that, that's a precedent the Bears set with the Ray McDonald issue. They're signing of him. Mm-hmm. Those conversations, when you have a player with that type of history to sort through, it has to go to George McCaskey's desk. And I, we all know fans don't want that type of option. And George says he keeps his nose out of football operations. And I do believe him. He does not inject himself whatsoever. But in cases like this, he's told Ryan Pace, I'm injecting myself in this. This is a grander thing than, than just football. We don't have turds on this team. 
that thing too. I mean, who eats W's? That's one of the weirdest pregame speeches I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Eating W's. Uh, all right, anything else? I think I'm good on my Twitter responses. You got anything else? Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of quarterback stuff. Our guy, Bear Elisimo, uh, really wants to dive deep into, um, like, the, the, the offensive line variations and whatnot. I don't have my Twitter up. Uh, right now, there, there's a lot of things to sort through here, my friend, uh, across the pod. Uh, we'll get to it, but I, I've become slightly obsessed. Here's my final thought for you. I've become slightly obsessed with the idea of acquiring a Derek Carr. I really have. I just think the interest that John Gruden is going to have in Tom Brady and then possibly Phillip Rivers, that's a domino. Those are dominoes you have to sort through if you're the Bears because I think Derek Carr – in terms of age, I wrote this, in terms of age, in terms of contract, in terms of potential to solidify a position for you, a problematic position for you for since Sid Luckman. It's it's something you need to have serious discussions about at House Saw with Man Nagy. Uh, and I just wonder if we'll get any kind of actual uh, concrete personnel updates that sometimes happens. It doesn't always happen. But wasn't it at the Combine last year when Pace officially announced that they were going to move on from Cody Parkey? Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. The Mitch Trubisky fifth-year option thing still needs to be yep. asked about, resolved, whatever word you want to use there. It's got to be brought up. Fifth-year option. Uh, franchise tags pretty much off the table this year. Correct. I mean, there's, they're not going to use that. Oh no, no. Yeah, that, that, that's not really a conversation this year. Uh, I'm just trying to think of normal things that sometimes you do learn about at these combine press. But you know, maybe they, maybe they uh, have a cut or two to announce. It's possible. You know, we're starting to see that the the Browns, the Browns let three players go yesterday. Um, it's sort of a blinking game, like which team's going to blink first here and how they let guys go because some teams want to wait to see who's available and all that. But um, we are sitting closer and closer. Uh, it was uh, Deion Sims at this point last year, like was just getting cut. You know, so it's, it's sometimes it seems a little random. Uh, and why do they wait for this specific time? But there's always a reason for everything. And those are those are the types of things that could happen uh even before they get to Indianapolis, they're always dealing with different information than everybody else's. They 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 know the the dates that are built into these contracts, and as good as sites are like OverTheCap.com and SportRack.com, as much as us reporters got our hands on these contracts, we don't always really see every little nuance that's built into these contracts. Right. And like your Deion Sims released, you know, by this time or when when this guarantee money kicks in, now we could get some of that information, but. You know, a lot of times it's not fully revealed a lot. So just things to consider. I just real quick, because I did find this. Um, so this was from B- Bill Barnwell's piece, just to clarify. Um, so this was a scenario in which the Chargers sign Tom Brady to a five-year, $180 million deal. That seems kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, Philip Rivers then signs with Jacksonville. And so to get out of the $20.6 million guaranteed to Nick Foles over the next two years, the Jaguars shipped their deposed starter to Indianapolis. To get the Colts to eat the money, though, Jacksonville has to send the 20th overall selection it received from the Rams in the Jalen Ramsey trade. Similar to the Brock Osweiler deal in 2017, although Indy also ships the 110th pick back to the Jaguars. So... 
Look, these are crazy scenarios, but honest to God, I think we are going to be witnessing some crazy things that happen Yes, once this yes. thing all unfolds. So I don't know how realistic that is to actually acquire Nick Foles and a first-round pick, but these have to be the type of scenarios that if you're in the Bears front office right now, you're trying to figure out. Reading that sounds insane. I'm not going to lie, but... It might not be that insane when this all starts to unfold March 16th, March 17th, March 18th. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a wild. A lot of holes to fill. It's going to be wild. The the Bears do have money to spend, people. They do. And they want to increase their draft capital. It's going to be fun to watch. All right. Good episode, my friend. Fun to get the listeners involved. I always like doing that. Um... A week away from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy addressing the media in Indianapolis. So, yeah. Here we go. We're back at it, my friend. That's right. And, uh, got to take the yard house any day over P.F. Chanks. Let's just get that completely clear. <laughs> no reason we, well, we can't do both. You know, it's okay. You know, every year I got a thing running with a few agents to meet about PF Chess. You know, some, <laughs> I got some friends there. Okay. That's where you disappear to. I see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Again, uh, read Johnsy's piece on those free agents at The Athletic, theathletic.com, The Athletic app. That's where we'll be on Thursday with another episode of Hogan Johns getting closer and closer to the Combine. And we'll have a bunch for you next week from Indianapolis. Should be a busy time. Uh, as we outlined earlier in the show, it's going to be a busy week in Indy. I actually can't wait, though. I, I, I like it, and uh, we'll have plenty of coverage for you. So subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. Make sure they don't miss it. We'll talk to you Thursday. See ya. That's not cliche talk. That's real talk.